Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I'm very excited about this this morning. Sometimes, sometimes you, you preach sermons and it's um, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. It's not fun, right? You're like, oh, this is hard. This is a hard word. But this morning, I love it. The Lord gave me an encouraging word. And I'm like, yay, God, I get to be the nice guy today. Um, and I have what I believe is an encouraging word today. Um, and I will say, I am incredibly thirsty. I have no clue why. Um, so if I take a lot of drinks, I don't know what's going on with that. I just today I'm thirsty. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. We'll take that. Physical, spiritual thing. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. And let's start in verse 17. In verse 17, it says this. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And I'm going to start with this question. Is your life worth imitating? And all of a sudden, you guys are like, wait a minute. I thought you said this was an encouraging sermon. Is your life worth imitating? And I want to answer the question for you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to answer the question for you. Yes. The answer is yes. Your life is worth imitating. Um, in, in a different translation, it says like this. It says, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us, and we see this language over and over and over again in the New Testament. I'm just going to read you a few verses. You don't have to turn to them. You can write them down if you're taking notes. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 16 and 17, it says this, I urge you then, be imitators of me. This is Paul talking. Be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. I think this is crazy because he's saying, I sent you Timothy so he can teach you how to be more like me. But who was Paul trying to be like? Right? That's what we see later on in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So he's saying, here's Timothy, who's teaching you how to be like me, but the only reason I want you to be like me is because I'm like Christ. And if you're a believer this morning, that's your cry to everyone around you is, hey, be like me because I'm like Christ. You're like, I don't know about that, Pastor Drew. I don't, I don't know. Some days, some days. I'm telling you, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, your life is worth copying. Your life is worth copying. Um, in First Thessalonians one six, just to beat a dead horse here, it says, "And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word and much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit." It's it's all about the word, right? So you're imitating the Christ in me, 
and you're imitating the word in me, right? That's the parts of me that you're copying. In Hebrews chapter six, it says, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then I love it. This is Jesus talking in John chapter 13, verse 15. And I want to pause here because this is part of that that last supper get together. This is Jesus' last discourse. It's that same section of scripture that we, we talk about a lot here, John 15, where he says, abide in me. Jesus is kind of given his last instructions. And in it, he says this, he says, for I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done. Jesus gave them example to do just as he did. And guess what he's doing there in John chapter 13? He's actually washing their feet. He's serving them. And he said, now I want you to do that for other people so that when you go to other people and you serve them and you wash their feet, has anybody ever been a part of a foot washing before? And, and it's, it's a little different. It's a little different. I've, I've been a part of a few when I was a kid where they would come out and wash their feet and it's a little, it was, hopefully they warn you it's happening before it comes so you have a chance to wash your feet before you get to church. Um, it would be a really bad deal today. It might, my feet are awful right now. I had to wear my running shoes because my feet hurt because they're dry and cracked and nasty. You would not want to wash my feet today. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to wash your nasty, disgusting feet. And these are guys who wore sandals and walked through camel poop, right? I'm washing your feet as an example so you can wash someone else's nasty feet and teach them to wash someone else's nasty feet. And on and on and on it goes. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the prime example. And not only am I an example of how to be an example. That's very meta there, if you're following with me this morning. And this excites me and scares me. Because did you hear what I just said? Jesus is the example that we're supposed to imitate. And all of us are like, ah, I can't do that. And once again, Pastor Drew, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. You're telling me that you want me to be exactly like Jesus and how many of you blew it at some point this week? Oh, don't raise your hand. Put your hand down. You ruined my sermon illustration. You're all supposed to keep your hands down and say, no, I was perfect this week, right? Um, how many blew it this morning before you got to church? A couple of us, maybe? All of us? So if you're guests today, as you can see, you probably need to find a different church. No, I'm just kidding. We're all messed up here. Can I tell you something? Let's back up. So here we are in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, where he says, join in imitating me. I love that. It's an invitation. Join in imitating me, right? But can we back up? Can we back up? If we look at the verses before that, and we're not going to read verses 1 through 11, but can I summarize them for you real quick? Paul is saying, look, I was awesome. I was super awesome. Like, I was the bee's knees. I was all that and a bag of chips. And all the greatness of me, he says, I consider it poop. And you've heard me say before, some scholars believe he actually, a better translation would be that four-letter S word that we're never allowed to say. Um, he said, I consider it crap. I consider all the greatness about me. It's the only time in the Bible this word is even used, and it's considered a curse word. I consider it crap because it was lost comparing to knowing Jesus. 
So all the things that I thought were great about me, they weren't really anything at all. And, and that's all of us today too, right? All the things that I thought were great about me, they're really nothing at all. And this is what I, I have underlined in my Bible in, in, in verse 9. It says that we have a faith that doesn't come through us, but comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. So anything good in me all has to do with my faith in Christ. Anything great about me is not something I actually did. It was simply my faith in Christ. You, some of you are trying so hard to be good people, and I'm saying knock it off. Stop trying to be good. This is the only requirement the Scripture gives. Put your faith in Christ. Well, what about all the good stuff? Can I tell you something? If you put your faith in Christ, if you abide in the vine, you'll just bear good fruit. You won't, I mean, it'll just be something that happens, right? It'll just be something that you do. That's what Paul's saying. All the doing, it was, I thought it was good fruit. It was crap. Faith in Christ. And then he goes on in verse 10 to talk about that we can know the power of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. Okay, we believe something pretty amazing here this morning. We believe a man died on a cross, was buried, and then came back to life. And today, he's alive and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Like, Jesus is alive this morning. Jesus is alive. He's not in the grave. The tomb is empty. This morning, Jesus is alive. This is the message of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, took my shame, took my punishment. Jamie talked about it this morning while we were singing. And now I can be counted righteous because he paid for it and then proves he's God by raising from the dead. That's insane. That's insane. Then we get to verse 12, and this is where I want us to start parking for a little bit because, once again, remember, we're talking about imitate me. Be like me, which is scary to say. Can you look at someone and say, hey, I want you to be like me. If you'll be more like me, you'll be more like Jesus. And all of us are freaking out. This is Paul saying it. Now look at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am I already perfect. Say perfect. But I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. So I want to say something real quick about this word perfect. Say perfect. This word perfect doesn't mean like perfect. Like, well, you know, nobody's perfect or man, that is just perfect. This word perfect is perfect as in has become perfect, has made perfect complete has come into maturity does that make sense like it's not perfect like in it's completely perfect it's perfect as in it is made complete it is made mature and so right here he's saying not that i've already attained this or i'm already mature or complete i haven't got there all the way yet but i press on to make it my own why because jesus christ has made me his own in a different translation it says not that i've already reached the goal I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Here's, here's what the deal is. This is the guy who's saying, imitate me. 
The guy who's saying imitate me says, listen, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not complete yet. I'm not, I haven't gotten there. But I keep pressing on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. Like, that's the key right there is Jesus has made me his own. And that word, like, made me his own means he's grabbed hold of me. I'm continuing to try to grab hold of him because he's already grabbed hold of me. How much confidence is in that this morning? For you to be able to sit there and know, listen, if you said yes to Jesus, you put your faith in him, he's already grabbed hold of you. Jesus has grabbed a hold of you, and now all you got to do is try to grab hold of him. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of you know this verse. It's, uh, it says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and at the time of my departure has come. This is Paul writing. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who love his appearing. Okay, so what is this saying? This is Paul. He knows he's about to be put to death for preaching the gospel. He knows it. And he's saying, okay, guess what's getting ready to happen? I'm about to finish my race. I'm about to receive a crown. Like, I can see the finish line. This is when he's writing in Timothy. Back up to Philippians, he hasn't seen the finish line yet. He said, I'm still trying to press forward. I'm still trying to go. Fast forward to this, he's saying, I, I, I can see the finish line now. And here's the deal. There's a crown laid up for me. Okay, let me do like, things are easier. I put them in context of running, all right? Um, Because life is like a race in so many ways. And so let's put it like this. We think we can only say to people, imitate my life after we've already gotten there or after we've already made it to the goal, which we just saw in scripture is not the case. Like, I haven't made it there yet. Imitate me. We think we have to be over here at the finish line saying, okay, I've made it. Now come on. And that's not what Scripture teaches us. You were not called to shout at people from the finish line. We need people to run the race with us and to lead us. One of the coolest things I've ever seen in a cross-country race is is, um, sometimes we have um, blind runners in some of our races. And those blind runners can't see the course. And so they actually have a guide runner who doesn't count. They're just running, holding a rope that the visually impaired person is hanging on to and running the race, just showing the other person where to go. Right? That's, that's what we're called to do. We're called to say, hey, I know you're not as far along as me. I know you might have some difficulties going on in your life. Come run with me. I, I'm not at the finish line yet. And that's the, our problem. Sometimes we see people like, he's jacked up. I can't follow him. That's something about your heart that you need to work on. Then don't imitate the jacked up parts. Imitate the parts that Christ has transformed them in. Right? Be Be gracious. Be gracious, be humble. Um, 
I, I like it like this is it's um think about think about like being on a football team or a basketball team right some of the greatest motivation comes from your teammates who are in the huddle with you not from the guy who played 20 years ago who's sitting there in the stands eating a hot dog hey good job guys hey you guys need to get fired up they're just not fired up or are you the guy the, the teammate in the huddle's like guys hey we're falling behind we got this hey you can do this come with me like like the kind of player that makes everybody else in the team better right we love those kind of players we love those kind of players on teams. And that's what God has called each one of us in the room to be. Is like, okay, listen, I might not be batting a thousand, but, but come with me. Come with me. As we're in the race, come with me. And what, what some of us, we'd rather fake a good race than bring a, people with us during a struggling one. And what's, here, here's something great. So I don't know how many of you saw, but I ran a marathon yesterday. A marathon is 26.2 miles. If you don't believe me, you can look it up on Facebook right now. I posted pictures of me running a marathon. I have a bib, and uh, my daughters ran it with me. It was fast. It was a fast marathon, like under three hours, which is booking. Um, the story is, is the guy, the organizer of this race, one day was talking to a guy who just got done running a marathon, and he said, man, I don't know why anybody would want to run a marathon. Those people are crazy, which is true. And the guy said, because then you can say you've run a marathon. And he's like, that's it? Just so you can say you've run a marathon? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, anyone can say they've run a marathon. And he said, no, you can't because you actually have to do one. He goes, no, you don't. So this guy organized a fake marathon which me and my daughter signed up for. It was called the Home Run Marathon. And over 30,000 people signed up. And yesterday, all of us took pictures. Jeremy um, took pictures of me and my girls running through the yard, looking tired. And then all of us upload. You can go online today after church. You're bored. Just go to the hashtag, hashtag home run marathon, and you'll see thousands of pictures of people faking running a marathon. Completely fake, looks real. There's some, some people set up water stands acting like they were handing out water to nobody. It's just, it just looks like here's the water, people holding up sands, go, or signs, go runners, to nobody. And did you know, like, like, I look at that, and I think sometimes that's us and our spiritual walk. We just want to look like we had a really good race. And it's all fake. And Facebook's the worst, guys. Because all we ever post on Facebook is all the greatest things. And when your life is falling apart, no one posts that. Right? They don't take a picture of like, here's a picture of me and my wife fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that, that'll help the fight. Here's Jamie. No. Um, like no one posts the crappy parts of their life, only the good stuff. And we do that with our churchiness too. We only want people to see the good parts of our Christian walk. So it appears like we have it all together, but it's fake. 
That guy's running really well. I'm telling you, we are supposed to be a people who are open, honest, and vulnerable with one another that we can say, hey, come run with me. And guess what? I have this struggle right here, and I'm going to tell you about it so that we can help each other out in this area. So that when you get to this hill, when you get to this part, that you can also say, hey, I, I know how to get through this because I've seen someone else get through it, and it was rough. It was rough. I'm telling you guys, through the hardest moments of my life, I don't think I would have ever been able to get through them had I not found a brother in Christ and said, here is what's going on, and it's hard, and it hurts, and I need help, rather than trying to fake a smile and say, I'm doing just fine. And in the middle of the struggle, what Paul is saying here is, you can ask people to imitate you. Let's move on to verse 13. Verse 13 says this. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. He's saying, he's saying I, I, have, I haven't laid hold of it yet. I haven't got a hold of this thing yet. I'm not completely there yet. I'm not perfect yet and remember here in just a few verses he's going to say imitate me forgetting what lies behind and that's what gets us sometimes i can't ask you to imitate me or follow me because i've screwed up i can't ask you i can't ask you to follow me because there's that one thing that happened that one time in my past and man here's the thing, you can't change the stuff you've run through. Like, you came through it. You can't change that. What he's saying, you've got you to forget what lies behind and press forward to lay hold of Jesus Christ. Lay, lay hold of what's ahead. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says it like this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, what he's saying is, since we're surrounded by so many other people that have shown us, like, an example who have shown us what to imitate, right? He says, then let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Looking to who? Looking to who? Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Say, perfecter. That's that same word. He's the founder and perfecter. He's the one that started it, and that word perfecter, he's the one that will mature it and bring it to perfection. Let me, let me, okay. Oh gosh, this is really good right here. G, who, okay. Oh, I gotta calm down. This is so good. Okay, why are you saved? Jesus, right? Jesus. I'm saved because of Jesus. Was it anything I did? No. Who started my faith? Jesus. He's the one who started this whole thing. Who's going to perfect it? Who's going to bring it to completion and mature it? Jesus. And that's not the what we think. We think it's me. I got to be really good. I got to run a really good race. We think it's us. And that's not what the scripture says. It says Jesus is the founder and he's the perfecter. He's the completer. He's the mature of the faith. And it says, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the founder and the perfecter. This is great news. That this is all about Jesus doing what Jesus does. All I have to do is put faith in him so I can ask you to follow me because I have my faith in him. Because I'm not asking you to put your faith in me. I'm asking you to put your faith in him. Right? This is good stuff. This is good stuff. So, um, worship team, you can come on up. I guess I'm going short today. Verse 14, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Another translation says, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Jesus Christ. What's, what's crazy is God, he's at the finish line and he's calling you. He's like, come on. He's, there's this heavenly call that he's called you to. He has something that he wants you to do. He has a purpose and a plan for your life that only you can do. And he's calling to it. He's saying, come on. So it's not me who's at the finish line saying, come on. It's actually God at the finish line saying, hey, come on. And because he's omnipresent, he's also with me in the race, empowering me to come on. And not only that, but I have some guys, I have some guys who live in Oklahoma that disciple me. And you know what? They're running alongside of me and they're saying, Drew, come on. Do they have it all together? Sometimes. Sometimes not. There's occasionally where I have to take the lead for a little bit. Same thing with you guys. Like I'm doing my best to lead y'all, but there's some days where I have to make phone calls and I say, hey, I, this is... And you guys have to take the lead for a moment. This church isn't the Drew Killingsworth show. This church is a body of believers who are running together. Verse 15 says, Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Guess what? This word mature is that same word, that perfect. Let those of us who are perfect, who are complete, think in this way. Think in what way? That you're not complete. Let those of us who are complete remember that we're not complete. Let those of us who are mature prove our maturity by realizing I'm not completely mature. This is the qualification for asking people to follow you to imitate you and I, I love this in verse 16 it says only let us hold true to what we have attained or in any case we should live up to whatever truth we have attained here, here's the reality God has revealed some stuff to you he's told you some things he wants you to do he's convicted you of some sin that he doesn't want you to do whatever it is that he's revealed to you do that and as long as you're doing the parts that he's called you to, you can do what the next verse says. Brothers, join in imitating me. Whatever God has told you to do, do it. Whatever truth's been revealed to you, walk in it. And now imitate me. 
imitate me. And so I believe this is super encouraging this morning because what I see is a guy, Paul, who's saying, look, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. I'm not even completely mature. But whatever good is in me, copy that. Be that. And I believe in this house this morning to every single person sitting here, every single person who believes that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and is raised from the dead and you've put your faith in Christ, I believe that you're the kind of person that can look at the people around you and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I believe you can. And that gets me excited to look around a room of people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus does. A group of people who get in His Word and then begin to walk in His ways and then to do His works, all while being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Will you stand with me this morning? I don't want us to be a people of really great fake races. Man, that person looks so good all the time. There's got to be bumps along the way. I'm not saying go out of your way to make sure there's bumps. Like, it, it concerns me when a week goes by and I don't get one phone call from someone saying, hey, things aren't going well. That concerns me. Because there's no way in a room this big that everyone's life's going great. That you're doing awesome. There's no way. All that means is somebody's going through something and they're hiding it. Brothers and sisters, don't run by yourself. Don't run by... The, the thing I hate the most about running is that when I do my running training is that I have to do it by myself because there ain't nobody wants to go out there and run 10 miles with me. Ain't none of you do. And I hate it. I hate it. The worst part of living life is doing it by yourself. And I'm saying you don't have to. One, find somebody that you can follow. They don't have to be perfect. They just have to be running after Jesus. And then two, find someone that you can look at and say, hey, be like me. And I'm telling you this morning, you can. Will you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father God, I thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. That God, that while we were still sinners, God, before we'd ever done anything good, Christ, you died for us. And Lord Jesus, this morning, there's those of us who have dealt with so much guilt and so much shame, even after we said yes to you. We feel like, Lord, we're just barely hanging on. That there's nothing good in us that anyone can imitate. There's nothing good in us. Lord Jesus, expose the lies from the devil this morning and help us realize that we are a holy people. Father God, that we are sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we are royalty that rules and reigns with Christ, Father. God, let us walk with confidence. Lord God, the things that you've called us to. God, I thank you so much that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.